So we actually are coming to a time here now when we're in our fourth week on our series. And it's, I'm sure Caleb explained how the series is going to go. Our series is actually a 12-week series. And it's how is the, the community of believers established? Establishing a community of believers. And you can see that's kind of written over there. That's our overarching theme. And the four weeks that we've been looking at is how has Jesus been revealed to the believers? This week, we've heard a reading from the book of Acts, chapter 9, and it's been looking at Saul, who we know later becomes Paul the Apostle, and his experience in the road to Damascus. Now, as I was looking at this, I could, go, well, I could break it into many parts and different sermons, but I'm going to compact it all together. There are two, two distinct characters in this passage, and we're going to look at both of them, Paul and Ananias. There's two distinct movements in this, and we're going to be able to get information out of that. But let's just stop, let's just pray, let's just ask God to open his scripture, his words to us today. Gracious, loving God. Today we want to hear from your word. Today we want to hear you speaking to us through the scriptures. Lord, may there not be words stuck on a page of a time long gone, but may your Holy Spirit open them up for us so that we may know the truth that you are speaking into our lives today. Lord, may the Holy Spirit be upon me and upon everyone here today, that we may know the word of God for our lives. We ask this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Now, so, so that we can actually really get into the mood and understanding of, of this passage, let me give you a little bit of background to the Apostle Paul, who is Saul of Tarsus. So we need to know, it gets really confusing, you know, when we go Saul, Paul, and, and all of these things, and names change, and everything like that. But let's, let's start on the basis. Saul was, he was instructed in the law, that is in the Jewish traditional law. He was a very zealous person. In fact, he was, he was advancing in Judaism so well that he far surpassed his peers of his own age. Now, Saul was born a Jew. He grew up as a Pharisee, which is a particular sect within Judaism, and as also as a Roman citizen. He lived and studied in Jerusalem and during, the time, during the time of Jesus. And like the religious leaders of the, the time, he expected that the enthusiasm and teaching that had marked Jesus' followers, the people called of the way, would soon die out after the death of Jesus. But that was not the case. It kept on growing. It kept on spreading. It kept on getting bigger. So Saul took action and he started persecuting the early church, putting them either in prison or putting them to death. Now, many of us kind of sitting here are actually sitting because of the bravery of people willing to spread the good news within our lives and within the community 
to establish this place of worship. And so we hold that heritage for ourselves. He was at the stoning, this is Saul was at the stoning death of Stephen. And that's when we're first introduced to him. As the person holding the garments as the stones were thrown to kill that person. Saul found himself going from synagogue to synagogue, punishing those who believed in Jesus Christ. Until the point came when those who were believers left Jerusalem and started spreading the net message of Jesus far and wide. So it wasn't enough for Paul to keep on persecuting and get rid of the man of Jerusalem. He wanted to track them down. So we got letters from the chief priests in order to go after the believers of Jesus Christ. And this is where our story is set. Paul is on the road to Damascus to head there. So let's go back to scripture. So we're going to put the scripture up on the screen um, as, I, as I go through it. It's going to be the first nine verses. I said it's broken into kind of two parts. Saul's conversion and change. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, if he found any that were, who belonged to the way, you know, that is to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So if we're looking at this, we're, we're having a look at a number of aspects about Paul. And the first is this. There was confrontation. When Jesus revealed himself to Paul, there was confrontation. But it's really kind of really interesting because Saul was confronting the early church, the believers. Have we ever felt ourselves ever confronted because of our faith? Have people ever said to you, that's ridiculous? Why do you go to church? Why do you believe? Have you ever been felt confronted or challenged or, or even been persecuted because of this? Now, it's not like in, in some countries around the world. And I need to actually say, you know, being made feel inferior or made to feel as though you're dumb or not smart enough or whatever it might be, persecuted because of your faith, you know, we just don't have a patch when it, when it compared to those who are persecuted and stand up on the threat of death or excommunication from, from their livelihood. But we feel it in many different ways within our society. 
You know, it was, only, it was only earlier this week that somebody actually asked me, who I'd known for a little while, you know, what do you do for a job? Because we were kind of out, and I said, oh, well, actually, I'm a Uniting Church minister. And he goes, oh, you're a God-botherer. Ever heard that phrase? <laughs> have you ever been called a God-botherer in your life? Well, I have numerous times. And see, the funny thing is when it... The thing is, when most people who are kind of outside of the church and don't really kind of have that relationship with Christ, when they find out what they do, they almost always make an excuse to do something else and not continue the conversation because this God-botherer may bother them into trying to have a faith in Jesus Christ. It's not as bad as being, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ? on the threat of physical harm, having to answer that. And that's what was happening when Saul was confronting the early church. If they stood up and said, yes, I am following Jesus Christ, then they were standing up to be counted and be persecuted. But I want you to notice a couple of things in the passage, in this confrontation. Paul has confrontation, but... But Jesus confronts Paul himself. And there are three things that happen when Jesus reveals himself to Saul. Jesus, first of all, calls Saul by name. Notice that? And you notice that that's actually something that happens throughout Scripture, that you are called by name. Second thing is Jesus actually takes personally what is happening to other believers. And I think that's so important for us as well. You know, we should really be taking a stand for those who are being persecuted, standing up and supporting them. And then Jesus asked this question, why? Why are you persecuting me? Now, actually, through all, throughout this whole talk that I'm going to do today, I'm going to pause and, and stop, and I'm going to make it personal for us. And not for me, but I want to make it personal for you. And that question that Jesus asked Paul, Saul, he asked him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Why are you, Jesus is asking you, why are you, and you fill in the blank, is it persecuting? Is it not have enough faith? Is it that I have ambivalence? Is it that I'm gossiping? Is it that I have kind of hatred for other people? Is it that I'm unkind or selfish? You name it, you fill it in. This is making it personal for you. What is Jesus asking you? What is Jesus confronting you with today? Stop and pause. It may not be a light shining on you and the voice of Jesus Christ there, but it may be something deep inside you just nagging right now. Going, what? Why are you doing this? But as we look at this story, Saul, we see that he's confronted, but then we move on. And we see that when Jesus reveals himself to Saul, he's confronted and change happens. We're going to go really scientific here for you now. So, you know, so Isaac Newton um, came up with a number of different laws 
of, of motion. And one of the laws of motion, which is the first law of motion, and anybody that's done high school science should be able to tell me this, that, that everything is going to stay in a state of rest, so they're not going to change. They're going to be unchanging until acted upon by an external force. Now that actually, while it's a law of motion, it actually kind of goes to the heart of who we are, isn't it? We tend to stay the same. We like doing the same thing until we're acted upon by another force, an external force, to push you to do something else. And here's the thing. Saul was getting away with persecuting the early church until he was acted upon by the voice of Jesus Christ into his life and then he changed. We tend to want to get away with the things within our lives until we are confronted by Jesus. And when we look at Saul, we, know, we see that his name was changed. He was Saul of Tarsus, and then he becomes Paul the Apostle. You see that, that ha- hatred is changed. Hatred of Jesus is changed into the love of Jesus. And he now calls Jesus Lord. You see that the, he becomes the member of the very fellowship that he'd been sworn to destroy. He's changed from being persecutor to being the one who is persecuted. He's so transformed that it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is talking about the change of who we are. When we are confronted with Jesus Christ in our life, the reality of who Christ is and what he has done for us, we can do nothing but change. What I find interesting is that after this remarkable change, that Saul actually became the most unpopular man in that area. The believers didn't trust him. The Jews wanted to kill him. Saul was a completely different person. He became the Apostle Paul. And he was now a part of that community called the way, the early believers. And regardless of the consequences, he went out and preached, preached about Jesus in the synagogues and he kept on increasing in faith and power. Why? Because he was confronted and he changed because of meeting Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. He allowed Jesus to transform his heart and his mind. Because in Romans 12, another another one that, that Paul penned, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. That is what Paul has happened. So we see that there are two phases so far to this revealing of Jesus Christ in Saul's life, in the Apostle Paul's life. We have confrontation, we have change, and then the third phase is there is a challenge. We are challenged. From this time forward, Paul is no no longer challenging 
the faith in Jesus. Instead, his faith in Jesus has challenged his life to change. I said I was going to stop and pause every so often to make it personal for us. And here's another one. Here's another point that we really need to actually make it personal for ourselves. What aspect of your life needs to be challenged by the perspective of Jesus? What aspect of your life needs to be challenged by the perspective of Jesus? Are we actually doing what Christ is asking us to do in our lives? Or are we sitting back comfortably, letting it all go by? But whenever we look at the, the, the road to Damascus, we, we have Jesus confronting the Apostle Paul, and then we have a disciple, a follower of the way. And we have this person called Ananias. And see, Ananias, he picks up this challenge component of what we're talking about. And I want to really flesh out this challenge component for us through Ananias. So we're going to go and look at the next section of this this book of Acts. So I'm going to read to you again from Acts 9, verses 10 to 18. The, The second part of this particular story. With the second character coming in, with Ananias. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. And notice this, what did he do? Ananias, called by name. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up, and he was baptised. So what is the challenge here for Ananias? And what is the challenge for us? The first is the challenge is to hear the call of Jesus. See, Ananias was called to do something that would would take him out of our comfort zones, take him out of his comfort zone, to go to somebody that he knew was persecuting the very people, him. Was Was it a plot? Was it a ploy? Was he going to be taken back to Jerusalem, punished, killed maybe, 
What is it? I'm making it personal again for you. What is it that Jesus is calling you to hear in your life? You know, what is it? Have we, have we heard you know, things about helping out in a mission? Have we heard things about maybe sponsoring a child? Maybe you've, you've, you've heard about a friend who, who's down on their luck and, and needs your help. Maybe Jesus is making a big call in your life to go out and preach the gospel to those that haven't heard it, just like Saul. What is it in your life that Jesus is speaking to you? Are we hearing this? Are we hearing the call of Jesus? And you might think this next, next part is actually kind of a bit funny and a bit silly, but it's not because it's really important. Because the next challenge for Ananias was not only hearing the call of Jesus, it was actually listening to the call of Jesus. We, because we actually need to do more than hear it. We actually need to really listen to the call of Jesus. See, listening is, is paying attention to what we hear. Notice that listening is paying attention to what we hear. Now, I know, and I'm going to speak from experience, men are really good at hearing things and pretty bad at listening to stuff. I'm going to give you a little illustration. You know, it's not necessary for my life. No, I'm not saying it's your life. There, there, there was this, uh, this couple, man and woman, um, husband and wife, and the wife had been asking her husband to, to do a chore that's been nagging at them, you know, that needs to happen. And he'd been putting it off and off because it was something he didn't really want to do that, at that particular time. And he goes, yes, yes, dear, I'll do it, I'll do it. Is, is that, 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 you've never heard that in your life, have you? You've never said that in your life, have you? Yes, 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 whatever, dear. Um, and hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. But as the weeks went by, the wife kept on asking, can you do this? And he kept on saying, yes, I'll do it. Well, I'm ready. And then she's talking away and says, oh, also, I want to do something special for our anniversary. And the husband keeps on going, yeah, whatever, we'll do it. The day goes and goes by and he completely misses that special surprise that his wife was wanting to do because he was hearing but not listening. You know, we can hear the sounds around us, but we may not actually listen to them. We can hear the birds chirping, but we may not listen to it. We can hear someone speaking, but we may not listen to it. You might actually be hearing me, but not listening at the moment. <laughs> I'm glad at least some people laughed. So that means you were listening, weren't you? There you go. But see, the thing is, when God is speaking to us, sometimes we hear it, but we don't actually listen to it, do we? We actually have to stop and change, because when God speaks to us, it's really stopping in our routine and doing something else. Jesus is calling to us, and we actually need to hear and listen to that call. I'm going to make it a little bit more personal for our church. 
So New Beginnings has been going through a process of change and, and we've been struggling with what that means and where we're going, what the directions we really need to be doing. We're hearing the call of God upon the church in this area and we're willing to listen to God's call. God's call on our church, on our lives, on this very institution that is here. It is Jesus' call for us to go and preach the good news into the rest of the world that we need to hear strong and loud. And what did Ananias do to help him listen to the message that the Lord was giving him? And what is it so important for us to do as well? Is a simple phrase. If we think we are just hearing without listening, we need to say this. If God is speaking to you and you're not quite clear, say this thing. This is what Ananias said. Here I am, Lord. That is the primer, the key to get you into listening to God. Here I am, Lord. It slows us down to pause and really listen. Can you imagine what Ananias felt? He was, he was basically a new believer. He left Jerusalem. And now the one who was worshipping was calling on him to do something for Jesus. As believers today, are we ready for God to call to us, to each and every one of us? Better yet, are we anticipating that God is actually going to call you in your life? Or are you sitting back going, God will never call me? Anticipate that God is actually going to call in your life, that we must live our life in anticipation of God's calling. Do you long for God, for Jesus to call you into ministry? Because what happens? The challenge that Ananias had is to hear the call of Jesus, to listen to the call of Jesus, and to respond to the call of Jesus. You know, Ananias didn't just respond to Jesus with, here I am. He, he went into a kind of mode of questioning, didn't he? To confirm the direction, to actually make sure that this is what Jesus wanted him to do. And it's so much for us as well. We do need to, when, when, when we're hearing that voice, when we're listening to that voice, we do need to confirm that with others. To ask him the question, is this what you want me to do, Lord? And wait on the Lord to re respond back to us. Because so often we jump and do things quickly because we, we think that's what God wants us to do, but it's just ourselves talking to us. We need to actually let God speak. We need to hear and listen while that is in, and then we need to respond. You know, when we respond to God's call in our life, to Jesus' call in our life, it's okay to question and confirm that call. Often, often we think, I'll just go and do, blindly. But it's not to clarify and to make certain that Jesus' calling it confirmed within Scripture that we're doing what Scripture says that we should be doing, that, that other fellow believers think that that's what's happening. Then that is important. But there is one thing that we can know 
and especially from the story of Ananias, the challenge that he has, is that when Jesus does call you to do something, it'll be take you from a comfortable place and challenge you to do something bigger than you can possibly imagine. That's going to take fortitude and skill and talent and relying on your love and your devotion, relying on Jesus Christ working through you, the Holy Spirit working through you. And this is what Ananias had to do with Saul. The Saul we knew was the person who was going to persecute the believers and take them back to Jerusalem, stand for trial for their faith in Jesus. They said, we're going to make it personal again. What is Jesus calling you to do today? What is Jesus calling New Beginnings Uniting Uniting Church to do today? To go beyond its comfort zone to do something in the name of Jesus. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. And finally, the the last part of the challenge for Ananias is that he hears the call of Jesus, he listens to the call of Jesus, he responds to the call of Jesus, and he serves Jesus in action, actually doing something. See, Ananias left and entered left and entered the house, and then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road when you were traveling, he sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He went and did. He put what he was hearing, what he was listening, his response, he put it into action. You know, when we look at this, we see Ananias, a great man of courage. But he was also a man who had fear. You know, you know courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the ability to do what you need to do in spite of those fears. And in ministry, in serving Jesus Christ, overcoming fear is based on trusting in Jesus. Overcoming fear is not complicated. It is simply being obedient to God's calling in the face of whatever he calls us to do. Whatever fear the enemy has placed in you, we need to put it in front of Jesus and ask for him to take that away so that we can do what God wants us to do. See, Ananias trusted God with everything in him, in his body, in his mind, even though he was sure that Saul was going to persecute him. See, we as a church, we are called to go out into the world to make disciples by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, to lead people to become fully devoted disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the mission statement of our church. And that's what we are to do, and that's what Ananias did, and that's what he did so that Saul could become Paul, the Apostle Paul, and go and continue to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all of the world, to make a massive change. You know, God is calling you to stop being satisfied with the what was and trusting God for what God can actually do in your life and what can be done through him that we can overcome our fears of change and that we can move forward trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God is calling you, each and every one of us, to leave our comfort zones, leave them behind, and he's calling us to, to step out, trust in our Lord, to be used an instrument by him, 
See, this is what happened to Saul when, he was, when Jesus revealed himself to him. He actually became an instrument of God. He was confronted. He was changed. And he was challenged to go out into the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So let us just pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks for this passage that we can listen to it and it can speak deep into us. Lord, today you've, you've been speaking into our lives and I pray that the Holy Spirit is convicting us now. Convicting you now of the challenge that is in front of us. May we hear your call on our lives, O oh Jesus. May we listen to your call on our life, O oh Jesus. Lord, may we respond to your call. May we serve you, Jesus, in all that we do and all that we are. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.